Welcome everybody to Dad Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and it is my honor and pleasure to welcome our guest tonight, Nicole Bryden Bloom, star of 1BR. Nicole, thank you so much for being here with us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure to have you here. So let's just get started right away. How did the role of Sarah land on your lap? Or maybe that's a little oversimplifying it. It was not so simple. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I, you know, I had been auditioning and came across this script. My agent sent me the the script that David wrote. And um, I read through it and I loved it. I loved it. It's It's twisted and it's weird, but it was, you know, so interesting and I, I was sitting next to my roommate as I was reading it and I was audibly gasping while reading it which had never happened to me before so that was kind of exciting um and then I auditioned for the project um I got good feedback and then I didn't hear anything for a while actually okay. um and uh and then you know about a month later my agent called me and she was like I need to talk to you 1BR starts filming in three days and they want you for Sarah. Can you fly out to LA? And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, but I, I hopped on a flight and I met with David and, and I said yes. So Three days. They only gave you three days notice. Wow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There were a couple things that had happened. They had, um, they had another girl actually lined up for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things with that fell through. I think you talked to um, one of our producers, Alok, yesterday. He might have yes, he shared did. that. Um, and and then you know I was fortunate enough to get to talk to David, the writer and creator, and and he kind of explained that he had really responded to my tape, and um, had you know wanted to go with me, and so it kind of all worked out for the best. Certainly for me, it was no, it was an awesome. It absolutely, part. you were the perfect person for Sarah. <laughs> What I loved about Sarah is we in the start of the movie, you are in a strange city. You don't know anybody, uh, a loner, as anybody would be going into a strange city. And then uh, as the events of the movie unfold and after they broke you, let's call it that for now, we mm-hmm. see a different Sarah. We see a, uh, like, confident cunning you know woman was that just an act or did they really break you in your opinion you know i think that's one of the questions david and i discussed a lot um i think when the movie starts sarah's already a little bit yeah she like you say she was kind of trying to figure out her life she had just lost her mom she's recovering from that her dad's affair so there you know there's things in her life she's trying to branch out and start in a new city which i think is anything that you know anybody can relate to Mm -hmm. um i moved to a new city and to pursue acting and you know that was new and luckily i had friends but um yeah you do feel a little bit alone you feel a little nervous and so I think she starts in a little bit of a damaged place to begin with. And then was she broken? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think if you're in that kind of environment, that kind of, um, psychological and, and physical, um, pain and, and I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a cult. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, whether, whether she is broken and then kind of, um, changes in order to fit in or, you know, she's fully broken. I, I think that's kind of up to the viewer, what they, how they see it. But, um, but we did have a lot of discussions about, you know, where she is throughout the arc of the film and kind of, I, I don't think ultimately she was broken completely because she does have kind of a steely strength to her exactly. that she's able to find. So it, I think it was always there. What kind of impacted uh, seeing Lisa at the end of the film have into snapping Sarah out of it and bringing her back into reality? Yes. Yeah. I think, I think even the moment that she sees her touring the apartment complex, I think that kind of hits her in a way. It's sort of, you know, she, she does grow to love these people in a certain way. Certainly Edie um, was, you know, kind of a motherly grandmotherly figure for her. And so she kind of, you know, loves her begins to respect um, Brian and, and, um, Jerry. And so I think seeing Lisa even initially spark something in her and then certainly, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but what happens to Lisa, yeah. the, the switch flips exactly. for sure. And, uh, what I found really, uh, amusing was after the events with Lisa unfolded and you're out there in the courtyard and everybody's surrounding you and you have the gun, you're like, we're free. We can go. Like you, Sarah's expecting everybody to be jumping up for joy. Uh, right. Is that how you talked about it with David, how you're going to play it? Like, why aren't these people happy? I just freed them. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny. That was actually, I think we filmed that scene maybe the second night of shooting. Oh. So, you know, in, in film and TV, it can be all over the place. So, yeah, we had we had a long discussion kind of about where she starts, where she ends. And I think in that moment, there is confusion because once she makes the decision to break out, she's made it. And yeah. she hopes and believes that all of the people now that Jerry's gone, you know, we should be we should be ready to go. Yeah. And I think um yeah, I think it's very confusing that everybody else is kind of hesitant and and more ingrained in this community. Exactly, yeah. They were more brainwashed than she actually realized. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Let's go to a viewer question. Uh, Doll Bittered on Instagram wants to know, what line from the film... Now, I know you guys, when you audition, you get covers, but the, uh, Doll Bitter wants to know, what line from the film did you have to say for the audition? Basically, what um, what did they make you say for the audition? Sure, sure. Um, I know one of the one of the big scenes that I had to do was, um, let's see, what was it? It was the interrogation scene when I'm attached to the lie detector, yeah. and they're asking me, you know, do I want to be a part of this community? I say yes, and they say Sarah because they know I'm lying. Um, and then they ask about my dad. So it was kind of that little section um, was one of the bigger, yeah, audition scenes. Now, uh, this is your first leading role, is it not? It is. How does that feel? So crazy. So crazy. Did your life um, change after one BR hit the screens? 
You know, it it did and it didn't. I think um, it was exciting for my friends and family to see and, and really cool for me to have that experience just because I feel like I learned so much as, you know, a human and as an actor because you learn to work with all of these people and you also learn to kind of carry it. I mean, I had, you know, David, the director and, and, um, everybody else in the film, everybody was so talented and supportive and, and far more experienced than I was. Um, so I felt very comfortable on set and very safe, but it, I mean, it was daunting for sure to take that on. Now going from, uh, your previous before one BR, when you had supporting roles into a mm-hmm. leading role, uh, for us layman's out here who are not actors, What's the difference? I mean, how much harder does the work intensify going from a supporting role to a leading role? Um, you know, it is very different. I think I think the projects I'd worked on before were amazing and I loved them, but you're kind of, you know, when you're a guest star or um, or, you know, a smaller role in film and television, you're kind of there to fill a certain requirement, mm-hmm. right? Like they're telling the story and you're a part of it, but then they're moving on with with their main characters. And and in this one, I, I was that. <laughs> and so it was kind of making that jump to, okay, like I need, I need to carry this and I need to make people care about Sarah and have them understand everything that she's going through. And David, our writer and director, was incredible with helping me with that because... He would talk through, you know, before each scene, what happened prior, especially because, like I said, we're shooting out of order. And so it's nice to kind of revisit that. Um, but, yeah, it was it was definitely a big change. Now, because of the casting change, there was somebody else cast for your part, and then you came in. I assume the rest of the cast was already there. Is that accurate? Um, yes, there, there were a couple other changes. Um I think they initially had a different woman to play Edie and then she had some issues and they found Susan and thank goodness they did because she was such a light and such a joy to work with. I don't know how she is so good at what she does, but, um, and then, uh, Giles Maffey who played Brian came onto the project around the same time that I did. So it was all kind of a little bit chaotic and we all got to set and it was like, okay, go time, you know? (laughs) Well, after the whole crew was assembled, you, Giles, Taylor, Alan, how did you all come together? Did you did you come together as a cohesive unit? Did you guys, you guys all get along? Uh, was it a good family-like atmosphere on the set? Yes, it was awesome. Um, Taylor and Giles were incredible. I mean, they had like a total bromance going on, and I felt like third wheel for sure. But... Um, but no, they were awesome. I think Giles is is a little closer to my age and, you know, has worked far more than I have, but w- was very relatable. He was very helpful with, you know, certain scenes I was kind of scared of or, or didn't quite know what to do. And he was really helpful with talking me through that. And then Taylor is, is amazing. I mean, every show that I watch, he's in mm-hmm. and he had a fantastic career so it was just kind of an honor to get to work with him yeah he was the uh him and naomi i guess were the faces that you know a lot of people know uh, exactly exactly now in the horror field were you a horror fan before going into this project 
Um, I am such a scaredy cat. Uh, trust love... me, you are not alone. You don't know how many people I've spoken to. I'm still trying to find a few that are were big horror fans that were in big horror movies. I know. Well, it's funny. My mom and I have a twin sister. They love them. So I grew up with them watching and me kind of like peeking in to see what was going on and then freaking out and leaving. So, <laughs> um, but I, I do love reading it. So I love reading you know, scary mystery books and, and I loved reading the script. Um, but, and I was obviously able to watch this movie because I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I do get a little scared. <laughs> uh, now being the lead on a horror movie that's doing very well and is very successful, are you open to doing a lot more of them? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know. I think they're very interesting. I think it's fun to, um, to work on this type of project. I, I hope more opportunities in this field come up. I think they will. Uh, because you have that, and I hope you take this as a compliment, you have that last girl standing look. <laughs> I a lot, yes. <laughs> uh, Marco on Instagram wants to know, what did you study in school? Oh, okay. So I, um, I went to Elon University, and I initially... I, I always loved acting, but I, I didn't think I would actually go into it professionally. Um, so I went into school majoring in journalism and I was writing and, um, you know, still storytelling in a way. Um, and then I saw a show at Elon and realized that I wanted to be on stage doing that. I still loved it. And so I switched into the BFA acting program. Mm -hmm. And so I continued during journalism as well, but, um, but really focused on, on acting. Oh, that is, that's great. In 2019, were you surprised to win the Nightmares Film Festival Award for Best Actress for 1BR? Yes, I was. That was so amazing. It was so, so incredible. And, um, I mean, you know, awesome people nominated and, and I was just happy to be in that group, but it was, yeah, it was an honor to be. <laughs> now, <a winner. laughs> Uh, you mentioned Alan before, legendary actor. Uh, he was your dad. How was it working specifically with him as your on-screen dad? Um, it was good. You know, that was probably one of the hardest scenes. I mean, I mean, there were definitely a lot of hard scenes in that movie, but I think that relationship and that dynamic and kind of everything that's at play for Sarah in that moment when he comes in, um, was hard to kind of like zero in and have that with him but you know like you say he's such a talented actor he made it really easy for me and um and i don't know it's it's interesting i think yeah i think that was probably one of the most difficult scenes for me just because you know she's trying to protect him but she's also mad at him but wants to forgive him because she loves him and mm -hmm. it's her dad so um it yeah it was difficult but <laughs> Ultimately, you know, it turned out to be one of my favorite scenes watching it. So Yes, yes, it was. Uh, now, you have done uh, quite a bit of TV, like you were in uh, Law & Order SUV. What would you say is the biggest difference from doing TV to film? Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think in some ways they're very similar, but I think with film especially, you know, we were on a tighter budget, a shorter shooting schedule. I think um, we just had less time. So so it's a lot of 
hurry up and wait because, you know, lighting needs to figure things out. Hair and makeup needs to come in and fix things. Um, our cinematographer, who was incredibly talented, David, was, um, you know, organizing the shot and everything. So you're kind of on standby up until the moment that you film. And then for 1BR, we got maybe three or four takes of each yeah. um, of each scene, and, and that was it. So that, that was different for me, um, I think. For the affair and and Law and Order SVU, there was a little bit more room to kind of um, play. Exactly, exactly. Now you made your acting debut. And correct me if I'm wrong. As Amy in the Michael J. Fox show, is that accurate? Is I did. Yeah. Uh, did you actually get to meet Michael, interact with him? What was he like? If you did. So we actually didn't work with him um, directly. I filmed on like an overnight shoot um with the girl playing his daughter so he um, was on set but um no i didn't get to meet him directly uh, that's just a question i had to ask um, oh i wish i had a better answer for you <laughs> <laughs> uh if you were to say right now the person that you would most like to work with moving forward uh if you had to pick one or two people who would you pick right now um i think I love Elizabeth Moss. Mm. Uh, I think I, I loved her in um, Mad Men and The Handmaid's Tale is absolutely one of my favorite shows. And she just did, um, you know, a, a thriller that came out this year. So I think she'd be really cool to work with. She's so brilliant. That, yes, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Now, but uh, going back to 1BR, um, besides the great script what is it about i mean sarah's character that would say you could relate to as nicole is there any similarities between sarah and nicole yeah i think definitely i think um you know as we said earlier there's kind of a vulnerability to her she um has lost her mom and is has this dream and moves to LA to try to pursue it, but then, you know, hits roads, roadblocks along the way. And certainly once she's moved into this apartment, it's kind of downhill from there. But, um, yeah, I definitely related to her. I think she's maybe a little more introverted and, um, pensive than I am, mm -hmm. but, um, but I felt a connection to her for sure. Um, and it was fun to kind of delve into that because, like I said, even though she is, you know, quieter than maybe Lisa, who she works with, who's, yeah. you know, says whatever and, and confident in everything, I think Sarah is still finding herself and and ultimately does and does realize that she has a strength to her. Absolutely. Now, you said yeah. you have a twin sister. Uh, is acting, are you the only one who is interested in acting in your family or does your, is your sister interested in it or are you, are you the only one? So she used to act with me. We went to a theater camp together, super nerdy, but very fun. Um, and we did shows together and stuff, but she has moved into, um, a completely different career. So. Okay. I'm the only one acting. I'm sure your whole family is like your biggest cheerleader, though. And I'm sure they've probably seen one BR at least more than once. <laughs> <laughs> they have. They have. It's actually funny. My um, my twin sister, we were not identical, but we do look similar. And um, at one of the festivals, a couple people came up to her and congratulated her on the project. And she was like, I didn't know what to say. I felt bad. I was like, 
thank you, but I'm not her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they've been very supportive and um, it's been a lot of fun to share that with them. Now, moving forward, uh, I ask this question to a lot of my guests and this is sort of like a hypothetical what if. Uh, you're still at the start of your career. You have a long, bright future ahead of you. If someone were to hypothetically tell you, hey, you can get uh, a, a role on a TV show that will guarantee you job security for X amount of years to come, or you can be in the next biggest hit film that will get will, that will really give you a leg up on being in the hottest movies for several years to come. Which path would you go? Which which path would you choose? I know it's a weird hypothetical question, and it's I mean. Yeah. I'm just curious as to what people's different answers are to that question. Do you choose job security on a TV show that you know is going to be around for several years? Or do mm -hmm. you pick a role that's going to be, you're pretty sure it's going to be a big movie, big budget, that is going to advance your career more in film? Well, listen, both options sound great. Um, I think... I don't know. There's pros and cons to both. I think as an actor, job security sounds great. Um, and if it was a show, you know, I love Homeland and the Americans, you know, something like yes. that, gripping and kind of um, each episode you're, you're exploring a completely different experience. I think that could be really cool. Um, but I also like the idea, you know, as an actor, we love to play and, explore different characters. So I think while there's a lot to find in, in one character, especially if it's five, six, seven seasons, um, it's tempting to say the the opportunity to play a bunch of different characters just to have those um, that variety of, of experience. And that's a very common answer. That's a very common answer amongst the guests that I've <laughs> spoken to. They, mm -hmm. instead of being boxed in into a role uh, that they have to play, even if it goes for 10, 15 years, they would rather have the freedom to go out and explore different uh, characters throughout their career. Now, there's a scene in the movie where your cat does not suffer a good fate. Uh, are you an animal lover, first off? Oh, 100%. Now, I love animals, yes. How did you feel when you read that part in the script? Pretty horrified. Um I, my family has two cats who I love. And so, yeah, that was pretty brutal reading what happens to that um, sweet cat. But I think it, you know, it is a catalyst for the rest of the movie. So I, I understand why it was in there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Pretty, and luckily yeah. it didn't get too graphic. You know, it was yeah. more of the... Yeah. They, they handled it the way that they did, yeah, for sure. They handled it very well. Now, was that, uh, uh, is it, I mean, whose character are we to assume did that? Was that uh, uh, Giles? I mean, uh, sorry, was that Brian? I mean, who did that? It was that actually. I think it was, I think it was Brian. Okay. I think he, um, he's kind of um, the muscle behind Jerry, if you will. So I think he's doing a little bit of the, the dirty work. He was a complicated character. He was a character who is very charismatic, uh, comes across, you know, can charm anybody. Uh, in fact, Sarah was falling for him in a way before she found out. But yet, like you said, he was also the muscle 
uh, behind Jerry and the group. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How do you think, you know, Giles played that role out? Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he was a great choice because, like you say in the beginning, just an easygoing guy. He's cute. He's flirting. She's interested. Um, and then, kind of the complexity of, of feeling betrayed by the one person she trusted, um, and you know, he has that monologue. I think halfway through the film, where he talks about being in the military and that kind of makes a lot of sense for his character and his willingness to kind of that's right about uh, discipline and stuff yeah yeah and he's and he's willing to follow orders you know which um i mean clearly he he listens to jerry and and he follows through exactly with, uh, i think um, the, but, oh go on oh no i was just gonna say i thought i thought he did a wonderful job and it, and it was really really Fun working with Giles. I think the movie makes a big statement uh, in regards to Sarah's reaction to Lester's to the character of Lester, who was played by Clayton. Okay, uh, it shows uh, how Sarah, you know, being new to LA, is judging this creepy-looking person completely based on his looks. But by the end of the movie. It is the one person actually that saved your life. Uh, yeah. Do you like that statement? That I mean, what are your thoughts about the sort of the undertone in that statement the movie made? No, I, I, I yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, um, I think it's easy to be misled by that. It's the whole, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, mm -hmm. and he is a little bit odd. He's a little bit quiet, and that. And that puts her, it makes her uneasy, you know? And I think um, the irony for Sarah is that the man she actually does trust, the one who's cuter, the one who um, works with her and, and, you know, she's interested in is actually far worse than the guy she was afraid of to begin with. Yep, he's the one that turns out to be a psychopath. Uh, well, not a <laughs> psychopath, but definitely converted. If you... Yeah. Uh, Let's say you did you didn't go the acting route. Where would you see what would you see yourself doing right now if you didn't go into acting? I think I'd definitely be in some form of storytelling. Um I loved writing in college and um and like I said I was I was very interested in journalism so I could have seen following that path. Um I also love psychology and I think in a pretty big way, psychology helps with acting a lot, kind of understanding um, the way we think and the way the brain works, and especially for this for this film, the kind of conditioning that she goes through. It was, it was kind of helpful to have taken a few classes and sort of understand what the mind can go through. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I've, I've always liked the idea of, of um, studying a little bit more in that in that world. Uh, I loved I loved Lisa's character, you know, on the, uh, in the movie. She was a great. Uh, you two had the potential. Well, you were getting to the point of becoming good friends. She was the one person that you were getting to know. Uh, yeah. Why? Remind me again. Why did Jerry pick her to go uh, to take your spot and have her be the next one that he was trying to convert into the community? 
Um, I think it was because she kind of had the essence of Edie. And so what they, what the community kind of tries to do is um, find people, I mean, first of all, who don't really have ties to, to their family or, or a community of their own. Um, but yeah, she kind of had the livelihood and the, the spunk that Edie had and sort of how I was brought in to be Lester's wife and to fill that void of him losing his wife. I think um, Celeste, who played Lisa, I think she was brought in um, to fill Edie's shoes. At what point in the movie do you think Sarah started, you know, realizing that Lester is not a bad guy? He's actually maybe the one guy here that's good. Was it after Jerry offered you to Lester? At which point do you think, in your opinion, was that pivot moment? I think... um... I think the moment that he has her sewing machine mm. in his I think that is a huge sign of I'm okay, you're okay, and I want you to have something from your former life. And so I think that I think, you know, the the marriage or union that Jerry has us do is is pretty horrifying because it could have gone down a, you know, a pretty yeah. dark for her. And instead, he kind of offers up this token of, of you know, we're in this together. Um, so I think, but I mean, I don't, I don't think Sarah immediately is like, "Wow, I trust you. You're yeah, great." No, no. But I kind of, you know, um, at arm's length, she sort of understands that they're both forced into this situation. He didn't necessarily want to be here either. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, continuing on with Lester's character because he. He's a big player. Do you think in the earlier parts of the movie when he is socially awkward, he just hands you a book in a really creepy manner, is that him uh, trying to sort of tell you in his way, hey, you're going to have to get with the program here, you're going to find about very soon, sort of his way of looking out for you? Yes, I think... Yes, I think he maybe was trying to warn me or or yeah, help me kind of have some understanding of of what I was walking into. And I think he's you know, he's been through a fair amount of of conditioning himself, so he's not going to come right out and be like, "Leave, don't stay here." But I think kind of a few of those gestures were were him trying to help for sure. Uh, and I and I misread them as Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, towards the end of the movie, it started getting, we started seeing a little bit of blood and gore, you know. Um, how did you feel? How did you feel? This is your first horror experience, correct? And during any kind of horror? Mm-hmm. How did it feel for you when you had to take out Jerry and you had a gun and, you know, with Naomi approaching you and you shooting her? doing mm-hmm. horror for the first time how did you feel about that how did it make you feel um you know i think it it was a little overwhelming it's it's a lot all happening at once but in that moment in particular sarah has found a lot of strength and a lot of power so i think holding that gun she's both terrified and feels protected um so there was a little bit of like control that I felt, you know, as opposed to 
in in the earlier scenes when I'm zip tied and and constrained, I think um, in between takes, I would you know stay in the zip ties, and then it kind of started to get weird. I was like, I don't think I I like this because I feel constricted. Whereas you know when I'm free and holding the gun and I've just killed somebody, I'm not in a full state of mind, but but there is kind of this breaking point and and we're well past that so firing the gun is both shocking to me and also i know it needs to happen uh that's that's a great take on it now we never see in the movie how the community supports itself are we just to assume because the everybody is technically locked in you have to leave with jerry's permission unless you've mm -hmm. been there for a long long time and gained uh his trust how does the community support itself was that ever explained to you by David, just so you can get in the right mindset of things? Yes, a little bit. Um, I think the idea is basically that, you know, they have lawyers, they have doctors, um, they have teachers, and um, they're going out into the world. Once you reach a certain level of um, commitment to the community, you're able to go out into the world and hold a regular job. You come back in and that helps support um, the community. I think. Absolutely. How many would you say of the members, like we saw, uh, there was a scene where you and Jerry are sitting by the door and somebody comes up to the door and it's Jerry that buzzes him out. Do you think mm -hmm. uh, anybody in there had the freedom to come and go whenever they wanted? And what confused me a little bit was because he had such uh, security on the door where it was locked, how did he get around that when Sarah first moved into the complex where she can go to work, come back? Uh, I mean, how do you think that, how do you explain that to yourself uh, when it comes to something that's not really explained in the movie? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think probably they had, you know, when we're sitting in that room where we can kind of watch everything on the cameras, um, you know, whether it was Brian or Jerry or, or um, Naomi sitting in that room and, you know, pushing a button that allows me to exit and I'm not even aware. I just think it's a normal door. Yeah. And um, because in the, in the first scene, when I walk up to the apartment complex, um, it is locked and I, I look around and then I see the security camera above me and then the door buzzes. Mm -hmm. So I think there, it just must've been something like that. And I, you know, as Sarah That's assumed, true. That's true. just the and security of the apartment complex. Now, we see uh, one moment uh, when it comes to uh, Brian's character where he actually looks scared. And that is when you come into the security room with him and uh, you turn over to him and, they say, and, you, turn, and you say to him, because there's a camera in the room and you go mm -hmm. to Brian, well, who's watching us? He got scared. Uh, he had a look of terror on his face, and he's like, uh, "I think he said something." Well, we don't need we don't need to know who's watching mm -hmm. us. Um, that would you agree? That's the only moment in the entire film that we got to see where Brian actually showed that he wasn't in on the whole thing the all inner workings that jerry had going on in that apartment complex yes i think um you know i think he's a big man in this 
apartment complex, but I think what we're led to believe is that it's far bigger than just one apartment complex. So, you know, when I, once Jerry is out of the picture and I'm like, oh, you know, we can leave, it's no, we can't because this goes far beyond just Jerry and Brian. So I think, you know, there's a higher, higher up that Brian is, is scared of. other control room that people are watching and they're watching us. Yeah. One of the biggest scenes in the movies where in the movie where we see the cult like mentality is when Miss Danhope it's time for her death and they you know they don't let her die a natural death and mm-hmm. she's agreed to that. How did the cast feel in that scene? Did you guys all rehearse together? to how you were going to play out that scene. Uh, you, you as Sarah question it. I mean, is this right? Uh, and they're telling you, well, it's the right thing. You know, she can't contribute anymore. And her time mm-hmm. in the community is done. As the whole cast, did you guys come together, rehearse that scene at all? We did, yeah. Um, we did rehearse it, and, and David kind of talked us through it. I mean, it's a pretty brutal scene um and you know that bag really did go over her head obviously it's acting but even just watching that is kind of um jarring and so yeah we talked about i think for everybody who's far more conditioned into the community it does make sense you know she's she's no longer able to contribute she's no longer able to help she's she's in pain she's sick and so we're going to let her die quickly and hopefully without pain and then she'll pass on and, and the community will move on. And I think, um, I think to them it makes perfect sense, you know, and for me it's horrifying because of course in normal society, we don't allow that and we don't approve of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think for the community it's, it's sad because they know they're losing her, but it, it's the right thing because it's time to move on. Did David explain uh, the method that they used uh, to, I guess, put her down? Uh, You had a doctor in the complex. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, assisted suicide is legal in some states in the United States where doctors come and it's a medication mixture. You had a doctor living in the complex. Did David ever explain to you why he chose that method instead of filming it or writing it in the way of giving her an injection where she would calmly just fall asleep and not wake up again? Um, no, I think, I think it was almost like presumed to be sort of like a laughing gas that then, you know, puts you down. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it was definitely visually, um, more disturbing to kind of see yeah. uh see the bag see the gas go in and everything i mean i mean injections are are scary too but yeah i, I don't i don't know quite what his decision was with with choosing that particular well way. i think you nailed it right on the head it made more of an impact on the audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall uh, now that the movie's done, it's doing very well. It made its round. Uh, Alok told us it started out on Voodoo, iTunes, and now mm-hmm. it's on Netflix, at least for a while. Uh, 
Now, he obviously couldn't say, and I don't expect you to say, but if they do come to you, say, Nicole, we got the green light. We're bringing Sarah back for a sequel. Are you all in? Oh, yeah, of course. I love the team. And, uh, you know, David is an incredible writer. And and I, I don't know what he has in mind for Sarah. Um, I read one, I think, I think, um, someone wrote, you know, what they think should happen in the sequel. And they were like, well, obviously Sarah will die right away. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what? She just made it through that whole thing. And then they just kill her off. But you know, I, that was just a fan theory, but yeah, fan, uh, fan fiction is very popular. People love to take stories and twist them and make them their own. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think, I think in some ways I like that it kind of stands alone and you are left wondering, you know, where does she go from here? Does she escape? Does she get out? Um, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm always open to, uh, to a sequel. So why at the end of the movie, okay, now once you're out of the building, we see mm -hmm. that the world of that cult is much larger than just your apartment complex. Okay. Mm -hmm. In fact, just before the movie ended, I was fully ex expecting Sarah to get jumped by other communities around her. Uh, what made you laugh? Uh, why, how did David explain it to you? Why is Sarah laughing as she's running away in that last scene before they cut to the credits? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I haven't been in any situation that, that's, that is that scary, but I think when your adrenaline is pumping and it's life or death, you're not thinking clearly, yeah. right? Your only goal is to get away. And so I think she kind of gets far enough away. She's run for a while. She's exhausted. She's horrified by what's just happened. Um, she's probably like a little blacked out, just, you know, horrifying experience. And then takes a deep breath, ready to move on. And then suddenly sees the sign. And that means that there are, you know, who knows how many more apartment complexes just like that. And I think it's just a moment of, are you kidding? You know, she's just sort of overwhelmed, overcome. And instead of another breakdown where she's crying, it's just like, you almost have to laugh. I mean, yeah. I do that like yeah. lower situations where it's so intense and you just like your only bodily response is that you, is that you laugh. And so I think, that was kind of the moment that we talked about and then sort of the, you know, realization that, oh, wow, I need to get out of here. And this is this is real. This is what's happening. And, and yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's appropriate. It's a totally appropriate reaction. Like you said, you've gone one through one barrier after another, after another. You finally make it out that door. You're in the mm -hmm. middle of the street and then the whole neighborhood lights up. You're like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, are you kidding me? Now, the film was very, very intense. Um, was there any moments, uh, light moments, where you guys cracked up on the on the set? And was there any people that initiated lightening the mood, being the jokesters of any sorts? Totally, totally. I mean, like I said um taylor and giles who played jerry and brian uh were hilarious i mean they were always you know telling stories and, and naomi too um so i think the four of us had a lot of fun despite the heaviness of um 
of the story. One of my favorite days was um, when we were filming the lie detector scenes. We would mm -hmm. go down into the basement where we were filming and, and shoot those scenes. But then, um, you know, we'd come up for a break. They'd be switching the cameras around. And um, I don't know. Taylor was just, like, sharing stories of some of his favorite roles and experiences. And, and uh, we were just able to kind of laugh and, and talk about life and not be totally in that zone until you know you get down there and then and then you click in and you're ready to go um but it was nice to kind of have that balance for sure oh yeah yeah uh absolutely what would you like to see happen to sarah in the second part i mean obviously you don't know what the script is so you're not giving anything away if there is a sequel <laughs> what would be your ideal situation sarah does sarah do we see sarah three months later because of the PTSD she has suffered locked up in a mental institution, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'd first like to think that she does get out. Yes. Um, that she does escape. Um, I think that would definitely take a psychological toll on someone. Um, so that's possible. But I sort of like the idea of her um, trying to stop it. You know, like somehow... In in one of um, David had a couple different endings for the movie written, um, and then we we shot a couple of them, and and he, you know, ultimately went with the one that everybody saw. Yeah. Um, but in one of them, I um, run away, and I find you know a woman who calls the police, and then it's the next day, and I'm brought to the apartment complex, and. Um, I'm trying to show them, I'm like, you know, look, this, this place is awful and these people are conditioned and I was tortured here and everything is normal. Everything is back to as if nothing has ever happened. Yeah. And like, oh wait, you know, the storage closet, they, we can, I can show them you, I can show you the storage closet cause that's where all the monitors are and you can see everything. And, and we go in there and it's just a storage closet. It's just full of yeah. normal, you know, apartment complex things. And for me, like filming that was interesting because it was like, oh wow, they they have got this so closed down. There's no chance I'm going to be able to convince anyone that this actually happened. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'd be interesting in a sequel to. I mean, that's not no, what happened in the movie. I mean, that... to kind of play out and you know find a way to kind of um, shed light on it. That's but, that's fascinating. Oh. <laughs> now, from the time you got to LA till it wrapped, how how much time? Did the whole movie, at least your part, filming it, which pretty much is the whole thing, how much, how many days were you on the set for? Um, so I think we were on set for 15 days initially. And then um, a couple months later, we had, I think, four days of reshoots. So it was very short. Okay. That is short. That's pretty good. Uh, a movie of that caliber to be shot in that short of a time. A look mm -hmm. is... Uh, really proficient uh i know <laughs> now are there any projects that you're currently working on right now or in the works to be working on anytime soon not at the moment um the past year was pretty slow just you know COVID. obviously the world yeah went hold um but auditions have picked back up and um it's been a busy month so um hopefully a few of these things will will pan out and I'll be excited to get back on set. Absolutely. Uh, you're going to have a bright, bright future and career. We're going to be seeing a lot of you on the screen in the years to come. 
you were absolutely great in one br i loved the movie i loved your character i loved how you played the character i always tell everybody you don't need a big budget to make a good film you need good writing good directing good acting and you don't need a billion dollars to do that you know what yeah. i mean and, yeah and Too. Everybody was exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the set was great. You were amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming on here with us tonight. Are there any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? No, I mean, thank you so much for watching. I'm so glad so many people responded so positively to the film. It was really thrilling for all of us. Did that surprise you that it got that it is doing that well? Um. Yeah, you know, because we had an initial release, we we had done some festivals and and it you know it got good reviews, and then we had an initial release on iTunes, I think, in May, mm -hmm. um, and there was a little bit of buzz, and then it was kind of quiet, and then suddenly it hit Netflix, and it just blew up. I mean, I had friends texting me, and they were like, "Wait, you're in a movie?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think just kind of that was the perfect. Um, place for the film to end up and um and i i was surprised but also really really proud um to have it do so well would you be surprised if five years down the line if you do another you're doing another interview five years from now and somebody asks you what was your biggest break and would you turn back and say it was one br oh absolutely yeah yeah absolutely well we wish you all the success in the world nicole thank you so much again for being here with us guys thank you so much for watching i'll be back on the air again tomorrow night again a special thank you to our guest nicole brian bloom the movie is called one br it's available on netflix please if you have yet to do so go ahead and check it out you won't be disappointed it is an amazing film Till tomorrow night, guys. Nicole, thank you. Everybody stay Bye. safe and uh, stay walking. Good night.